Hey friends, happy Wednesday and welcome to Drive Through Moms. I'm your host, Lynn Mitcher. Each episode, we'll hear stories from ordinary moms serving others in extraordinary ways and chat about how God has impacted their life. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on. I'm super excited, um, but I appreciate you agreeing to talk to me on the podcast. Okay, so tell us a little bit about um, your family and kind of what brought you to your ministry position where you are at the church, and then we'll kind of dive into kind of where you were um, as a children's minister and then now your current position in marriage and family. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, grew up, uh, primarily in Texas. Uh, my dad was in the military, so we moved a lot, but I landed, uh, in college in college station and went to Texas A&M. I had finished high school there, um, because dad was getting his degree at A&M. He was getting his PhD. So we, the military sent us there. Um, Went to A&M, met my husband. Uh, we met at church. Uh, he saw me, was extremely shy, went a whole year without speaking to me, went home for the summer and vowed he was going to meet me the next year. And he did get brave enough uh, to meet me and ask me out on a date, which I promptly told him, no, I couldn't go on that date. Uh, luckily, the, my plans fell through and I asked him, did he still want to go out? And so the rest is history. We've been married uh, this December will be 30 years. We uh, finished out school, got married. He was finishing his master's and then we moved to the Dallas area. He got a job in Greenville, Texas and uh, working for Raytheon. And we were looking, I was looking at grad school uh, in uh, at A&M. I really thought at first I was going to be a doctor. So I started pre-med and then I got into organic chemistry and I said, what am I doing? This is horrible and I hate this. Um, but I loved all my psychology classes that I had been taking um, and really knew growing up. I was just the friend that everybody, when they had a problem, they came and talked to and, and I didn't mind listening. And it was something I enjoyed helping people. And so I finished out and got my bachelor's in, in psychology and then came up here. We landed in McKinney because I was going to go to grad school at university in Denton and he had a job in Greenville and we said well McKinney's in the middle and so let's land in McKinney. <laughs> um, I know now that that was certainly God's leading because it was we kind of picked it on a map but we know God placed us here on purpose. Right. We have been here ever since. We celebrated our first anniversary in our first little house and we have been here ever since. We love it. Um, we have three kids. Um, I made the crazy decision to think that I could get my PhD and have children at the same time. I still don't know to this day how I did it. Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, you did that while all three kids were little, like well, in school. How did you do that? No, it was crazy. It was the first two. Um, I don't know. We were crazy. And we had been married about four years. And I was like, I got the baby bug. And and he's like, well, you're in school. And, and I was like, I know, but I can do, you know, you're not dumb and naive when you're 24, 25. <laughs> and, and so I said, oh, how hard can it be? My parents live in the area. So I thought, well, mom will just help me. And so, yes, yeah, so we had our first baby, uh, Robert, who is about to turn 26. So I was in the middle of my, it was a combined master's PhD program. Um, now it did take me a really long time to finish my degree, much longer than all the peers that came into grad school with me. But we had him and then we, I promptly got convinced by my husband, oh, let's just go ahead and have a second one. So we had our daughter Meredith 18 months later, which was even crazier to think I I, by the time Meredith was born, though, I was just working on my dissertation. But, you know, mom helped me a whole lot. Um, and then, you know, the kids were in a little preschool at church. And uh, so I, I was able to finish um, before I had baby number three. We waited a while after I had two 18 months apart. I was like, I can't I can't do a third anytime soon. But I knew I wanted another one. So yeah. Ryan was born um, several years later after I finished grad school when the first two were six and and four. And we loved it. And I actually for that season when I had Ryan, I took time off Um was done with grad school. I'd worked a little bit, but it was super stressful. And so I had three kids and I was like, I'm just taking some time off. And we were able to do that as a family. Um, and it was in the midst of that season that um, I just started helping at church and volunteering. And um, 
at the time, there was a, a counseling center at our church, and the, the gentleman run, running it, Dr. Harry Beverly, called me one day and just said, hey, I, I know you have your degree. Everything's completed. Would you ha- ever have any interest in doing some part-time counseling? And I said, sure. And um, I actually was thinking, well, I should probably start using my degree. <laughs> I spent all that money and all that time. Um, and the kids were getting a little older. Ryan was three, and he was our youngest, and the other two were in school. And so I ended up starting part-time counseling and really did not know that God was about to propel me into ministry. I made one comment one year in 2005. um, Our children's pastor had just recently passed away from cancer. And I had been working part-time two years and the uh, administrator at the time happened to walk by my office one day and I stuck my head out because this was May. And I just made the comment, said, hey, if you need any help with Vacation Bible School, I'd be happy to help get that off the ground. Which is a crazy statement to make in the church because BBS is always such a huge thing. If you say that to anybody, you were like head of a committee. I know. I know. Well, and the funny thing was, is I really, at the time, it was just kind of off the cuff. I'd, I'd already been working, you know, just as a volunteer in preschool and children's. And, and I knew nothing really had been done because she had been dying of cancer the whole spring. And so her team was just really trying to, to get it together and were they going to be able to pull it off in June. And so I just told them, hey, if you need any help or if they need any help, will you just let them know? And literally about two weeks later from that um statement to our administrator, he comes back to me one day and says, hey, would you consider we need somebody to do the interim position for our preschool? Um, and really, uh, the, the woman who had passed away was at the time our preschool minister, and we had a different gentleman upstairs during grade school. And we prayed about it, and it was completely out of the blue. And it took me probably a lot longer than it took my husband, Howard. Um, he said, he says, looking back, he knew almost immediately that that's what God had been moving my path towards. Um, and that just began a journey of kind of where I am today. I said, yes. And the rest is just what God worked out. So you were in ministry for how long? I was there um, from 2005 um, for about 12 and a half, 13 years. I, I started as an interim and really just thought I was going to do that first year. And God just made me fall in love with it. And I loved ministry. And so I actually submitted my application for the actual position because they couldn't find anyone. And so I started um, officially in 2006 um, with uh, preschool ministry and then our grade school the guy doing grade school met, left and they couldn't find anybody. And they came to me and said, Hey, you want to do all of it? <laughs> Howard was like, Oh, we got to pray harder about that when you're already working a lot. Um, but I did. Yes. I did children's ministry um, for all those years. And then just, um, this is my third year. Uh, about two years ago, we got a new pastor and um, really he had a heart to really help marriages and families. We had lost um, Dr. Beverly, who was the one who had originally hired me. He was over counseling. Um, Our pastor, Sam, knew that I had a degree in psychology, knew I had a heart for families, and really just kind of created this position. It didn't exist. And it was fun because I got to help um, kind of craft, you know, what what are the things that I love about working with families that I could put on my job description? Uh, and Howard and I just have a passion at the stage of life we're in to help marriages and, and young families and parents um, make their marriage work. Because if their marriage isn't working, then it's really hard to be a parent. So right. that's kind of where God's led me. I, I You could have never asked the 20-year-old me if I was going to go in ministry. That was the furthest thing from my mind. But God has a way of... Yeah, it's funny how God works those things together because something that you kind of intended or thought you were going down a path is exactly not where you thought you were going, but he's using things to kind of build on on each other. So you've been in marriage and family um, for the last couple of years. So after being in like children's ministry for so long and then now being in marriage and family, what do you what are those what are some things that you've learned about yourself as a mom or things that you see moms need help in in just the two you know the mm-hmm. the differences in those two different ministries how you know difference or similarities mm. well i mean there's a lot of similarity um i 
I think the biggest thing right now that I see, and and I've seen it for years, I saw it in myself as a young mom, is just that struggle of uh, kind of that perfectionism of that there is a right way to be a mom and um, just the the guilt that you have because we're imperfect people and we mess up so much. Um, I think it's probably a little bit harder to be a young mom right now than even when I was raising my babies, I didn't have anything documented on social media. And I couldn't also go um, look at everybody's highlight reel. Um, I could see people and, you know, you could presume, oh, they must, you know, things must be going so much smoother in their lives. But I didn't have that comparison. Like, I think that's one of our biggest things right now I see in young moms is, is looking at other people's lives and assuming, well, that's what their life really looks like. And forgetting that, wait a second, that's, that's their highlight reel. That's not, um, that's not the reality of what happens behind those beautiful stage pictures or the little posts that happen. Um, life is messy. Yeah. I think for, from somebody who, um, not necessarily perfectionist, but gets anxious about things that I Mm -hmm. like a certain way, or you end Mm -hmm. up feeling like as a mom, you know, you're kind of all things to all people at all times. You know, I'm supposed to be a good wife and, and a good housekeeper and a good cook and, you know, stay on task and, oh, I need to eat right. And I need to, you know, work out and all these things. And then, like you said, with social media, you see the good most of the times that people's post. I think there's been a lot more transparency yeah. in the last few years, maybe the last year and a half or so you see people being more honest about things, but it's very hard to play that comparison game and not really get into you know, constantly reminding yourself who you are, even in doing things that you're like, the enemy wants you to think, I can't do this. And of course, a lot of things we can't, but we can with the Holy Spirit and we can't with God guiding us and just remembering who God says we are, um, you know, cherished, forgiven, redeemed, and all those things that scripture teaches us. But it's a matter of remembering those and not letting all the other crowd out, you know, right. The, the negative that gets in our head. Yeah. I think for me, as I look back um, in the years of raising kids, my biggest struggle has always been um, control. Um, I was a firstborn, so I like the world very organized. I, I don't do change well. And I think I, I walked into marriage and parenthood um, with this false reality that, that I somehow had control. Um, and I think what I've learned in 30 years of marriage and, and 26 years being a mom is there's really absolutely nothing I have control of. And, and I think um, I think when the kids were little, I thought I had control of things. And and yeah, looking back preschool years, you, you do get to control a lot more of their lives um, that radically changed when they became adolescents. And then even at now as young adults, um, God has really had to teach me. Um, that I'm not in charge and I'm um, not in control. And the more I try to control, the more things get messed up, you know, and, and unfortunately he's had to do that sometimes in very difficult, painful ways of teaching me how to open my hands and go, okay, these are not your children. They're not, I mean, yeah, they're not my children. They're God's children. Um, You're going to have to let go and let me be in charge. And it's been kind of a, uh, a 51 year struggle with the Lord. <laughs> I'm 51. And I think that's always been my struggle. Even as a child, I struggled with control. I'm right there with you because especially the older they get and the more independence yeah. they get and the yeah. more they're making decisions on their own, which is what you're raising them to do, right? You're raising them to right. be independent, um, you know, self-reliant, responsible adults that can take care of themselves in the world. And yet you've always controlled their environment, their exposure, um, you know, their entire lives. And it is a very slow weaning process to say, yeah. oh, I have no say so in that anymore. Um, and, yeah. and kind of reel it in a little. And like you said, reel it in, in terms of like how I respond and whatever, but then also that let go process of, okay, Lord, I, this is in your hands and I know that they're ultimately yours. So what, you know, one of the things that I loved about what we've gotten to know about you and Howard over the last couple of years, especially was what we've um, kind of experienced with the marriage ministry that we were um, a part of for with, with, for a year with you guys, with the marriage mentors um, at church with marriage Corps, And it was really good to sit in here and listen to a lot of the mentors and realize, um, you know, those, 
bring about a lot of conversations of like, oh, cool, you're in the same spot we are. And, um, oh, I'm not the only one that felt this way. Or you said that to your kids right. too? Wow, I'm so grateful right. because I'm not the only one that did that. But what are some things that you, I know you and Howard um, talked a lot in the groups, but giving advice on just things that, like you said, for it's really important to um, care for your marriage as much as it is mm-hmm. to care for yourself and care for your family. Mm-hmm. But what are some things that you guys have done? I know there were some specific challenges that you guys talked about. Oh. Howard cracked me up when he would blush. <laughs> challenges have been interesting yeah. and, and we've taken on, but um yeah. yeah. So what are some things that you guys have just experienced? We just hit our 31st year yeah. um, in April. And so you, it is a process, but there are some uh-huh. things that you can practically do. Yeah. You know, I think um, we, we, I think we're surprised by how much having children impacted our marriage. Um, when you're young, you have people in your life tell you how things are going to be. And I, I think we were the typical 20-somethings, early 30s, and we didn't listen real well to people who tried to speak into our lives about what was coming. And so for us in the middle years, um, we really had some struggles. And and what happened is we allowed our children and our children's lives to come between us Um the marriage kind of took seat number three and children's took seat number two. Um, you know, I think for Howard and I, we were both raised in Christian homes. So we were, we were doing the, the relationship with God. Okay. But, but, um, the big mistake we made is we put probably our marriage third. Um, and I think we kind of in looking back, we, I think we excused it as well, of course, all these little people. And even when they were in middle school, like they need us, like, you know, we'll, we'll get to the marriage someday or, you know, we've got a good enough marriage. And we had a season right in the middle where, um, we just kind of had a wake up call of, okay, if we don't do something proactive and intentional with this marriage, we might not have a marriage, um, when, when the kids are out of the house. And so I think the couple of biggest things we did, um, right in the middle season of our lives is we realized we need to start investing in our marriage. We were not doing date nights. Well, we were not getting out of the house. It was all about baseball and dance and school activities and church. And it was nothing about just the two of us. And so we had to start prioritizing our marriage. And so we started committing to getting away, um, going on some marriage retreats. We had about 10 years that we went to one every single year. Um, and it was hard because we would go to those retreats and we'd have to, they'd make you talk about hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had about 10 years of some hard stuff going on. And really, um, we can look back now and really what had happened is we'd gotten into this selfishness mode. Um, so really for both of us, it's funny, God was working on both of us separately, but at the same time. Um, and for me, what he was working on is just convicting of me of my sin of selfishness and that I was so focused on my own needs and the fact that, okay, I'm pouring all this into my kids and well, I'm done with the kid thing for tonight. I'm going to go out with my girlfriends or I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go read my own book or, and I just kind of neglected Howard because I thought, you know, and I justified it in my head of, okay, I'm spending all this energy investing in ministry and investing in my children. And I just need a couple hours of space. And the problem was it was tearing us apart because we weren't actually having any time together. And so I really had a friend Um, it's kind of the power of having people in your life that will speak truth to you. So I think that's another thing that is important um, and that happened in our marriage is I just had a couple of women that were very truthful and honest with me and said, look, this, you know, I was complaining one night we were out and complaining about my husband. And I think they finally had had enough of saying, you know, this is not about your husband. This is about you. (laughs) And they were very in my face in a very loving, but firm way to say, look, this is you and you need to get right with God and figure out what it is you're doing because we don't really think it's Howard. We think it's you. Um, And so that became, began a whole journey with the Lord of just really him breaking me and realizing and kind of shining a light on where my sin was in my heart and making me realize that um, it wasn't about, me all the time. It was about him and it was about what he had put me in this relationship with Howard. And so I needed to 
focus on Howard and stop being so selfish and, and that God would equip me to be selfless so that um, he, it, it really was again about control because God basically said, look, you love and respect your husband well. You give him what he needs. And don't worry about what you need because just trust me, I will I will take care of your needs. Um, don't feel like you've got to go around making them happen. And so the funny thing is, as we talked years later, God was working the same thing in Howard's life. Um, and that was the other thing my friends started um, convicting me was, is like, okay, if you're really upset with your husband, start praying for him because you can't stay mad when you're praying for your spouse. Exactly, for sure. Uh, yeah. And so between just some intentionality of, okay, we've got to set aside time. I started praying for heart and really I just started praying and confessing sin to God of, okay, God, I need you to change my heart. I need you to ha- make me have this desire to spend time with Howard, to be with him, to connect with him as his wife, to do things for him, to serve him, to love him, even when he doesn't deserve it. And that was the hardest thing for me. Cause I like to keep score. And I was like, well, yeah, but God, he doesn't deserve it. Look how sinful he is. And he's doing these things and he hurt me yesterday or, and I could always justify and God just kept going. Yeah. But what do you do? You know, he kept just putting this mirror in my face. And so, um, it, it was a huge season that like, I I do attribute to those two friends. I've told them, I said, I don't know that our marriage would still be here or that if it was, it wouldn't be in the place it is today. If you had not looked me in the face and said, this isn't about Howard, this is about you. Um, and so it was some conviction, some spiritual conviction from good friends. It's so important that, um, you know, you have a couple of people that are your safe place that you can talk to, but that, you know, are going to be honest enough with you yeah. to say, Hey, you know, you're, you're really at fault here in a loving way, but to, but to tell you, Hey, have you thought about this? Or, you don't, you know, not necessarily be some around people that are constantly telling you what you want to hear. Um, right. That I know with Reggie and I, we've always done pretty good job of, um, he's always been very intentional of at least once a year, we took, we take still do some sort of just a weekend trip or get away, just the two of us. And we always, even when the kids were little, um, I don't know whether it was due to my complaining of being a stay at home mom with three kids that might've been driving me crazy or just, you know, it was, you know, you know, him, it's his nature is, uh, he was really good about making sure that we got out at least twice a month, once every other week, occasionally just a date night. My parents didn't live far, but, I know I hear a lot, um, maybe of some young moms that I'm around at times about not having the money um, Mm -hmm. to hire a babysitter. And I know COVID right now is different, but all that aside, um, we didn't either, but it was just something we were very committed to was like, I didn't want to always burden my parents. Um, We built some relationships with some teenagers at church um, or or people that we knew their parents really well, but we just were like, it was more of an investment. And I, Mm -hmm. if I could do spend my money on other things, I could invest in saying, you know, I'm going to pay a babysitter for two hours and we're going to go. I don't care if it was, we went, you know, to McDonald's and just that and whatever. It didn't have to be elaborate. Um, we've even taken weekend trips where we went to a hotel in Frisco just to get away, you know, for a couple of days. It didn't have to be big, but, um, I think that's a huge thing. You know, one of the other things I was going to ask you about too, especially from a psychologist perspective, um, self-care is such a big phrase right now, which I, you know, it's funny when I talk to people, I kind of get a 50, 50 reaction on what do you think about it? Um, but I kind of know what I think and how I feel about it under, um, in my own life. But what do you, how do you think the phrase self-care as a believer fits into your life, especially as a mom and a woman? And Yeah. Well, I actually have a positive, I I have a positive spin on it in my life, I think, um, because to me, self-care is not me focusing selfishly on myself. Really, it is for me, it kind of makes sense because God created us as this whole human being that has a spiritual side, an emotional side, a cognitive side, a a physical side. And um, I I've watched in myself um, through the years, if any one of those aspects of myself gets out of whack, it throws everything out of balance, Um, which is, it's not really a big surprise. I mean, God created, when you think about how intimately God created every aspect of our bodies to work, every system works with the other system and they've all got to be in sync. I mean, it's no wonder that 
spiritually, if you're not connected with the Lord, then other things are going to be off in your life. And I know for me, um, I function best when I am taking care of my physical health and I'm eating the things I should and exercising I and sleeping. I, I function best when, when emotionally I'm connected with a couple of people in my life that help me stay on track and that I can be honest and real. And, you know, when Howard and I are functioning in a way where I can open up and, and cry if I need to or laugh if I need to. Um, I function best when spiritually I'm in sync with the Lord and talking to him every day. It's like it's all connected. So, yeah, I think the seasons that I look at back and, and regret some decisions I made as a mom are probably seasons when I wasn't the healthiest. And so when I wasn't healthy, that spilled out into my family's life. Um, and Unfortunately, like most women, I, I've struggled, like I'm a big junk food junkie <laughs> and I really struggle with just having vegetables, you know, but the years that I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat vegetables and fruit and healthy lean meat. And I feel so much better. Yeah. And then I'll slip right back into that habit of, oh yeah, but this donut is so yummy. <laughs> so, um, so it's, you know, yes, I think, I think it is important as women, we have to be, but to me, there's such a part of self-care that's so much more important than spiritual self-care. Um, and for me, that's what I discovered, particularly when I got to the, the years when my kids were in middle school and high school is, and then moving into college is just how important that spiritual aspect of my life and my connection with the Lord and whether or not I was spending time with him. It, it completely would change seasons of my life, whether I was walking with him or not. You know, your kids, yeah. your kids are going to be in and out. They're going to grow up, move away. Those relationships change. Um, even your relationship with your husband and your temporal things. But if, if those things are out of whack and you don't have the Lord and you don't have his, um, just you've fostered that intimate relationship with him, whether that's, you know, however it is you do that with your uh, quiet time and, and your relationships, obviously, that you said you mentioned with um, uh -huh. friends that are speaking into you in a truthful way and, and what you're learning through the Bible. Uh, you get to those seasons of your life when, you know, when things do change, because I'm kind of like you said, um, you are is change is hard and especially um, empty nesting as much as I love it on a lot of levels. And I love my husband and we have totally loved just the freedom to, hey, let's not fix dinner. We're just going to go out or, right. um, I don't know, what do you want to do? Um, you know, just that freedom has been great because you just haven't had that. I mean, I mean, uh -huh. it's 28. We haven't had that in years. But uh, at the same time, there's a certain sense of grief that comes with it of not feeling needed or whatever. But I know that the stronger my relationship is with the Lord and the more consistent time I spend with him, the more I'm okay with all of that because I know he's got his hand in what's going on regardless of what it is. Right. I've had to learn, you know, I think sometimes, you know, someone sees a person who's in ministry and assumes, oh, well, it is so easy. They're in ministry. So they know how to pray. They know how to read God's word. <laughs> and it it isn't a given for any of us. Like I've had to work because there've been a lot of seasons, even when I was in the middle of serving in ministry, that, that my spiritual walk was not where it needed to be. And if you had known me well, and those who did, you could have probably seen the evidence <laughs> in my personal life because that's the seasons that things weren't going well. But if you were to go back and look at, you know, your 25 year old self, or even speaking to a young mom and to encourage her in some way of just, you know, what maybe would you have done different or, or, you know, hindsight's 2020 20, and the older right. we get, especially, you know, you just go, man, I focused on things that really weren't important at mm -hmm. the moment, you know, and you just get that. I think that's why by the time you get to be a grandparent, which I'm not yet, but I'm super excited about whenever that happens. Um, I think that's why grandparents are like, you want ice cream for breakfast? Sure. Let's right. do that because, right. you know, within reason, but you know, I think that's why grandparents have that attitude of just, yeah, you know, not focusing on what does it matter in the big picture? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, now that my kids are adults and they're all doing well, 
it's funny to talk to them because I I have all these things that are etched in my memory of times where it just was a it was a horrible day as a mom. And it's funny, I ask them about it and they have no memories of those days, which to me is this glorious praise the Lord moment mm-hmm. because I can remember myself at my worst. Um, I know for me, um, it was usually about control and usually about having things organized and the schedule to go the way it was supposed to, or the week to go the way it was supposed to. And when it didn't, I got out of sorts and, and I was not always kind, <laughs> you know, I yelled at my children. And so those like stick in my memory so much. And it's, it's kind of this gracious thing that I think God does um, because I look back and I've talked with my children and, and joked about those things. And they really honestly will say, mom, I don't really remember you yelling at me. And I'm like, really? That's so great. Um, and, and it's funny because now that is one of the the blessings of adult children is actually to get to be able to sit with them and, and process and talk about some things. And it's funny and it's rewarding sometimes because I'll have one of them say, oh, mom, gosh, why did you put up with us? You know, because they can look at their, you know, 13 year old self and go, what did you do? Um, but I think for me, I I needed the world to be way, way organized and controlled. And I didn't let our I didn't, I wasn't flexible enough as a younger person. And and I think if I could go back in my twenties and thirties and just say, look, just let go of all that other stuff, um, you know, vacuuming or organizing our schedule or making sure my kids were in certain things. None of that really mattered. Um, and I think that's one of the blessings I've talked to some folks, um, during this season of COVID and, you know, we pretty much had life put on pause and, um, it's created a lot of anxiety for some folks, but then for others, I've, you know, when I've talked to them, I've said, yeah, but I wonder what God's going to teach us in the pause. And, and I've talked to so many now that have said, it's been glorious to, to have nothing else because there is nothing else in the schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, Howard and I have been walking every single day and sometimes I walk by myself and it's the first time, at least in our community that I've walked any time of the day and there's people out playing with their children. There's dads that are home like all throughout the day because they're working from home, but they're throwing a ball, they're riding a bike, they're um, just sitting outside with as a family. And I think that's, that's what I look back and regret the most is that our lives were too busy back then. And I wish, you know, people, (laughs) I always used to have all these older ladies in the church. They're like, oh, don't blink, sweetie. You know, it's going to go by so fast. And I would be like, yeah, right. You come to my house and deal with all the children. You know, because that was back in the day, like a day would be like a whole year if you were having a difficult season. And, um, and the reality is it does go quickly. Um, I wish I had appreciated the, the dailiness more, um, because that was, that's the things that I look back and go, there's things I don't remember because we were so busy. And so, um, it's, it's cool. Now my children are starting to gravitate back to Dallas. So it's fun to have them here as adults and get to, to reminisce and have fun and and spend. I think, I think for me, as I look back, um, when I hit kind of mid, my kids got to middle school and high school, I, I started very quickly learning um, the power of prayer. And I realized, even as I sent them off to college, and even now in the last five years, I realized I did not pray enough for my immediate family. I didn't pray enough for my marriage. I didn't pray enough for my children. I functioned too many days in survival mode. And when I see now what God is teaching me about prayer and, and the things he's doing now that I just go, oh, Alyssa, if you had been doing this when they were two and three and 10 and 13, can you imagine how much more peace you would feel back then if you had been doing this? And I think it was just, I don't know that God had gotten me to a place where I really understood what power power of prayer could do in the lives of my children and my husband and myself. When Reggie used to travel a lot when the kids were little. And so I would in an anxious state or be fearful or whatever. I wasn't a big fan of being alone, especially alone with the kids and stuff. So, um, somebody at the time gave me, uh, the Stormy O'Martian book. I think it's Stormy O'Martian, the power of a praying mom and praying wife. And the, 
you know, even at the time, and and it wasn't an older book even then, I thought, oh yeah, whatever, this looks old, it's probably not any good. Or, or <laughs> I just kind of had this mental idea, this preconceived notion of what I thought. But man, those books changed how I prayed and they changed the level of specificity that, right. um, you know, praying for my kids. I remember praying for them walking into school that, you know, once they had accepted Christ and they knew where their relationship with the Lord was, that they would so hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and that sin and things that God did not want them to be a part of would be so evident to them right. that they would know it. And so just as an example, there were just, the, anyway, so those books, and I know there's tons of books and resources, especially at a lot of churches, but I know we have a resource center in our church. Um that those books for me were really, really good to just, you know, take my prayer life up a notch to just really dig into some specific things that I knew my kids were going to face, things right. that I was facing, um, and just um, our lives as a whole. But what are some other resources or books than that you might even recommend, you know, I, I hate to add another thing to the mom list, but there are things that at time in your pockets of time that you have that, you know, can yeah. be practical things that you can uh, yeah. refer to. Well, one of the biggest things, and it's not a book, but uh, one of the biggest things I did, there was a, a season, you know, the, the season of your life where you spend all your time in the car mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the time in the car with three children is not always pleasant. And I started hating the drive to school and the drive home and the the pickup. And usually I was doing the drive. I, I did work most of my kids growing up. And so I always did the mornings and then I usually had a girl that would pick the kids up in the afternoon, but I dreaded the mornings because it was rushed and terrible. And, um, when they were kind of, I think I had two in middle school and one in elementary school. So I was going to two schools in the morning and then trying to rush to get to church to work. And I just, one day it was like, we're, we're doing something different. We're either not going to speak to each other in the car or we're going to do something different. So I started praying. Um, and really the day I started it, it was because I was mad at one of my children and I was so ready to like make that child get out of the van and walk the rest of the way to school. And I was like, okay, I cannot send my kids into the world in this kind of contentious, um, anger in the car we're going to do. And so I just started praying out loud for that kid and everybody in the car like got silent and it became this thing. Um, it was awkward at first. Cause they're like, Oh great. We're in trouble. Mom's paying, praying for us again. But it, then it became a cool thing for the rest of our time at, in carpool was then they would actually start to tell me things. Okay. I'm praying this morning. Anybody have something I can pray for? And, you know, it started simple with, Oh, I have a test. Oh, this, but it, it slowly morphed as they got older. And I will say it was so hard when they moved to high school and suddenly there was the year that, that Robert was going to start driving him and his sister. And, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not, by then we had been doing it for years. And I was like, I'm not going to have that morning time to pray in the car. And it was so funny. The the first day they came home from uh, school that he had driven by himself with his sister to high school that night at dinner, I said something like that. I said, I'm so sad that that I didn't get to pray with you this morning. And it was so funny. It's probably gonna make me emotional. But Meredith looked up from the table. She goes, oh, don't worry, mom. We prayed on the way to, to school. And I literally started crying at the dinner table. And they, then they were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? I said, no. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and so I, you know, God took something that I was so angry at a child and taught me, wait a second, in that moment, just just open it up to him and it transformed our mornings. Um, and I, you know, one other story uh, that really, it, it really has been, I underestimated, and I know you Lynn, you and I, Lynn, have talked about this. I underestimated how hard it would be to have adult children. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought when we raised each of our kids to 18, that I would be able to pat myself on the back, send them off into the world, and we would be able to check that off our list, um, that parenting would be done. And uh, not not to scare the moms that will listen to this, but the college years for us, sending the kids to college and them now being adults has probably been one of the harder seasons of our, and I think it goes back to what we talked at the beginning about control is once they hit 18, 
um, and they can go out into the world, you have absolutely no control over their choices. And I know for us, it was super hard to know that we had to stand aside and watch them make their own decisions, um, not always decisions we wanted them to make or that we hoped they would make. Um, but about five years ago was when God really really powerfully showed me about the power of prayer. And we had one of our children um, in college who um, got unexpectedly mm-hmm. sick with something that the doctors could not figure out. And um, the kind of thing that you're getting calls at two in the morning from an emergency room and things like that. And like, I got to such a state of it, it made me afraid to go to sleep at night because I was like, well, what's going to, mm-hmm. what's going to be the call tonight? And it's interesting because that whole season with that child started um, just two weeks after I watched that. Do you remember that movie uh, war room with that had Priscilla Shire in it? She had just released that movie. I went and saw that movie. And then we had this happen in our lives for, it was about a year process of trying to figure out what was going on with this child. And um, I think, I have no doubt when I look back five years ago that God intended me to see that movie and he intended to use that movie because then later um, the book that she put out that was kind of based on a a lot of that on prayer was that book Fervent. um, And it's a book on prayer. And I got that book um, in the middle of that season when I was so fearful. um, And one of the things from that movie that I decided, okay, I'm going to do that because I don't know what else to do. I I can't change this circumstance. I can't get these doctors to figure out any faster what's going on with this child. And so I, I, I cleared out a space in my closet and I created a war room. And for the next year, I did something I'd never done. I would just go lock myself in that closet and just pray. The, all the walls of the closet were filled with prayers that I would write out. And I was just crying out to the Lord of, okay, God, somebody's got to be able to figure out what's going on with this child. I cannot keep getting emergency room calls. Um, and it was the most horrible experience to go through as a mom. And it is yet my favorite year with the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've talked to so many people that, 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 um, experience, um, is, uh, when God does the most in our lives. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's hard. And I know exactly uh, we've, we've had similar, um, yeah. situations or something about your kids going through something very difficult, that, yeah. like you said, A, you don't have any control over. B, you sure. be a bystander and watch. Right. Um, and you hurt as their parent. Oh, um, yeah. And, and then you, just to you have. You can't fix it. And yet right. you're really, you know, there's so much scripture that God wants us to go to him oh, about everything and cast our cares on him. And, you know, yeah. talk to me about everything. And, that um, you know, I will never leave you and I'm always with you. And, yeah, those scriptures become just things that you hold on to because you know, okay, God, I know I literally can't do anything about this. And especially like you said, when they're older and they're, you know, they're not physically with you. And I think um, the control thing is definitely a thing. We've had a lot of conversations about the kids have been adults, but part of it, I think comes from, um, I don't necessarily feel like I have to talk to them every minute, but it's, it's when they're not with you that you're like, I don't really have to talk to you every minute, but, you do miss those. Well, who'd you sit by at lunch? Right. How was your day? You know, what did, what did right. you, what did you have? What was fun about class or just the little things that you've spent all those years being a part of. And then when you're not a part of them, and especially when you go through something difficult, right. um, it has been sweet to be able to get, cause we've, I think with each one of our kids had different varying degrees of, of experiences of things that they've been through, through the years that, um, you know, we probably didn't handle the right way in the moment yeah. looking back or we did, you know, I think that's one of the things that you kind of have to get to as an older mom is just go, you know what? I was talking to somebody about this the other day is you do what you feel like in the moment yeah. is the right thing with prayer um, yeah. and with the knowledge that you have at the time. Yeah. And then you have to kind of let yourself be free of, of regret and living in that fear of what right. is that the enemy wants to keep you in. Wow. You really screwed that up or, um, yeah. but I, I agree. Those hard times, once you get through them, <laughs> once you get to the other side are those sweet times that you see God. Right. Now this will make me cry. God's past faithfulness 
is what demands our trust in him for things that come next. Right. And, and I think that's the thing, um, is we all walk through difficult things. Um, I don't think there's a mom out there. Um, you're not going to go on a journey with children and and a husband and not have difficult things. I think what God's been teaching me in the last five years, you know, we got through that year and it was a year of advocating for our child, but having to do it in a delicate way because that child was an adult. And so sometimes we didn't get to advocate in the way I would have, if, if that child was 10, um, but but still being the parent and going, no, we are going to figure this out. We are going to and God is going to reveal it. And and to watch God work and teach me things about how actually some of my prayers used to not be very trusting. I was always assuming God wasn't going to do things. And and in the last five years, he's shown me that even this year um, during COVID, I was doing a devotional on prayer just on you version. And one of the lessons, one of the devotionals was on being specific in our prayer. And that when we don't pray specifically, it's actually a demonstration of a lack of faith because you don't believe God's really going to do it. And it challenged me for the next month to pray specifically about all kinds of things. And I was like, and God was so faithful. I mean, it would be silly things. I'd be, okay, God, I'm going to pray specifically for this and and specifically for that. And and God would just show me, see, like... Now, did he always answer yes to everything I said? No, but there were times that I just laid it before him and said, God, you know, this is what I want. And, and, and so he's still teaching me that there's no perfect way to pray. Most days I just get up and go on my walk and I just start talking to him like I, like he's walking beside me and God, I've learned, I think as I get older that God already knows how I feel anyway. And so I just talk to him and I know he can take all my feelings, even when I'm disappointed or angry or discouraged or frustrated with COVID or whatever it is. Um, one, the verse, um, the verse that he gave me in that that year that was so horrible um, was Psalm 116, 1 and 2. It says, I love the Lord uh, because he hears my voice and my prayers for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. That was probably, if I had to define, it was 2015 fall of 2015, spring of 2016. If I had to define in my 51 years, that was probably the most difficult year. Um, but, but when I look at that verse and I realize I, when I saw it during that year and it jumped off the page at me, all I could picture was the fact that God himself bends down and listens to me. I was sitting in the closet I'm sitting in right now as I talk to you and I just had this picture. If if God cares enough that he's going to bend down, I, I pictured it like when I would talk to children in children's ministry, I would always bend down or I would squat down. And that, that was the picture of that verse is if he's willing to do that and he's the God of the universe, then why would I ever stop praying that as long as I have breath in my body? And it was such a peace that came over me in that moment when I saw that verse is it was kind of like God's like, I'm here and I'm listening and I know it's rough and you're not alone. And that's really, that's the only way I survived that year, um, because I wasn't sure in some moments I would be able to. And God became probably more real than he's ever been, like tangible, almost feel him sitting in the closet with me. Um, And I think it's because he forced me to. Um, And sadly, (laughs) I've had seasons where he forces me because I won't stop. So, you know, heating up uh, gold and and getting the impurities to rise to the top. And I think it's those hard times that we go through when that fire literally can be underneath us of going through whatever it is that we do see maybe where there's sin in our life or something that we're going through or that we're not really trusting him where we should. But by the end of the process, seeing his faithfulness and seeing him kind of take those impurities that he's filtered out and skim off the top. Um, that, you know, we grow closer to him, we're able to then share what we've learned and what God showed us in our own life with somebody else, which ultimately gives him the glory because we're pointing back to him that it's not about us. It's about something that he did and that we learned and grew from instead and, and let him, you know, actually be the Lord of the situation instead of us trying to just manage it ourselves. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to add to that, and and I just want to encourage the women that are 
that are going to listen because I know sometimes you can hear something like this and go, yeah, well, that's all well and good. And, you know, that person doesn't know what I'm going through. Um, I, the other thing that really got me through all of parenting, um, but especially the last probably 10 years is there was a day I woke up and I realized I was exhausted and weary and I, I just was done. I was done serving in ministry. I was done being a mom. I like, I just was done with life. I didn't, I, I didn't know how I was going to get up the next day doing it because I was pouring out to everybody and no, nobody was pouring in. And it, it became very clear that I needed some people in my life to encourage and support and pray for me. And, and I just started praying, God, send me some women. I need someone with skin on. I know I have you. I know you're there, but I need people in my life. And God sent me um, four women um, that he just kind of brought to mind. And I approached them and said, hey, would you be willing to just be kind of in a prayer accountability group with me? And we started meeting 10 years ago on Thursday mornings. Um, and that was the other thing that was my lifesaver. It was my um, thing that kept me from drowning is I knew that there were four other women that were older, wiser. They'd walked ahead of me and they were praying and I could be, I could cry. I could be honest. And I knew they were praying for my children. So when I hit that year that was so bad in 2015, they were the first people I called and said, start praying now. And so I knew someone else was praying for my child too. And so that's what I want to encourage women if they hear this and and you're like, yeah, but I don't, that's all well and good, but I don't know what to do. That's start praying that God sends someone or reveals a name to you. Go, do the brave, hard thing and go ask that person to start praying with you. That's a perfect way to end what we've been talking about is that, you know, I think sometimes we feel like we get in this, whatever the situation is, that there's no way out or that nobody knows what I'm going through or that I'm by myself right. and just having the courage to, uh, you know, pray about it, but to reach out to somebody that, you know, even if somebody's listening to this and isn't a praying person, reach out to somebody, um, right. and, uh, see if there's somebody that you know or in your family that you can talk to. But Melissa, thank you so much for being on and talking to us about all things that we've learned up to this point of being empty nesters <laughs> and having our kids to this point because um, you've been a wealth of knowledge. And I want to encourage people that I'm going to put post this in the show notes of, um, you know, if they, if something you know, resonated with what Melissa said, or, um, you know, we have a counseling center through our uh -huh. church now and different kind of uh, resources that we can point you to. Right. But if there's something that you heard that you liked and you wanted to reach out, all that stuff will be listed on there. Um, but thank you so much friend. You're and You're I, welcome. Hope, I hope you guys um, enjoyed this episode and we will be back next week. So happy Wednesday and thanks for listening to Drive Through Moms today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Drive Through Moms podcast. I love hearing God's pursuit of these moms' hearts through His faithfulness in every situation. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well as get more information about each of the sweet ladies and our resource page coming soon on our website, drivethroughmoms.org. Subscribe on iTunes, and if you like what you're hearing, leave us a great review. We'd so appreciate it. Until next time, happy Wednesday. Wednesday.